This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffeditz, and we take a little bit of a break uh, from recapping games and looking ahead to next games to look ahead to next season with the release of the ACC football schedule for the next seven seasons on Monday. Uh, I think, uh, you know, this is another step in that becoming a reality. Obviously, the announcement of the move was big. Uh, This is big. There are still some things to sort out as far as the dates of the games and obviously finishing this football season. But there's now something tangible to really talk about uh, when it comes to this football team playing in the ACC. Um, I really like uh, the way this lays out. I expected uh, Cal and Stanford to be regulars on the schedule, uh, a lot for travel purposes, a lot because they are the new guys uh, and wanting to keep some other rivalries and key matchups alive. That certainly happened with them. those uh, games being the protected ones in their series. So they will play Cal and Stanford every year, one at home, one on the road. Uh, I think that works out really well. I think that was to be expected. Uh, and then you go down the list and, you know, I think it's kind of what we expected uh, to an extent. I think there are a lot of fun games. I love the fact that in year one, Florida State comes to Dallas. In year two, Miami and Louisville come to Dallas. In year three, Virginia comes to Dallas. Uh, 2027, you've got Clemson and Georgia Tech. 2028 is going to be fun. you got Florida State, Louisville, and North Carolina. That will be the first game against North Carolina. In 29, you have Clemson, Georgia Tech, North Carolina State. Uh, 30, uh, you get Duke, Miami. Uh, in there. So every year, uh, there really is a marquee matchup. Uh, 2026, I guess, could be your one argument, uh, maybe with Virginia being the uh, highest one. But I mean, Wake Forest has has had their years. That's not a bad uh, one to look at there. So I think that's great. I think it's a bummer uh, that over the next seven years, SMU will only play UNC Duke and North Carolina State and Virginia Tech only twice. Uh, I don't think that's too surprising. Obviously, North Carolina was one of the teams uh, that was against this move. Obviously, that puts them in a situation uh, to limit travel. They also are a little hand-tied because they have uh, quite a few of the protected matchups playing Virginia, Duke, NC State, Uh, and I believe Wake Forest every season. So that's four of their conference games every year right there. Um, You know, I think 
everybody wanted a, a big boy schedule. Well, this uh, for 2024 is certainly going to be a big boy schedule. You get Boston College, Cal, Florida State, and Pittsburgh at home. You go to Duke, Louisville, Stanford, and Virginia in conference play. You host TCU uh, through this in their BYU, uh, and then Houston Christian at home and go to Vanderbilt. You know, I mean, that's two Big 12 teams, an SEC team, and then your eight ACC uh, conference games. Uh, seven home games, uh, five road games, but man, you wanted uh, you wanted a harder schedule than what uh, this thing looked like this year, and you certainly get it. Um, I think it will be interesting to see how uh, those games lay out when uh, the schedule dates are released uh, sometime this offseason, uh, but obviously everyone will be circling Florida State. They are a team that uh, you know could very well be in the college football playoff this year. Um, and a team that seems to be a little more back on track, uh, to where it once was. Um, you know, you, you go down the list. I think, I think it's great. I think this is what you expect when you make a move like this. I think it's what you want when you make a move like this. Um, I think it's something that gets fans excited. I think it's something that's going to get fans in uh, into Ford Stadium. Um, and yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think you expect that. It's going to be really hard, I think, especially the first couple of seasons as you kind of try to ramp up towards this higher level of competition. Um, I think SMU has done a good job in recruiting both high school and then certainly in the transfer portal. Uh, but you know, you've been recruiting as an AAC team for an AAC schedule. Uh, and now you're going to have some of that caliber of player competing in the ACC. I certainly think that players they have returning are capable of that level. I mean, shoot, some of them are coming from, uh, came from ACC teams, uh, to be on this team this year. Um, so I, I think you certainly have pieces that are more than capable. I think you have some pieces that will have to step up. And then I think you're going to have some pieces that are either going to find new homes, uh, or are going to have limited playing time or are going to struggle in some way, uh, with this type of competition. But I, I think growing pains are to be expected, you look at the three teams that joined the Big 12 from the AAC uh, this year, and they are struggling in the Big 12. Um, I believe still the only win uh, for any of them is the Hail Mary for Houston um, to beat West Virginia after it looked like West Virginia had uh, stolen that game uh, from Houston late. I mean, yeah, Houston's one and four, UCF and Cincinnati are both 0 and five in conference play. Um, I think SMU is in a better situation than any of those three were, uh, making this jump. You know, I mean, uh, Cincinnati obviously had the most recent success, but it kind of took a, a four year build with those players to 
get to where they were of making a college football playoff a couple years ago. Uh, they lose their coach. Obviously, a lot of those key pieces are gone. Uh, they're struggling, and they're in the middle of a six-game losing streak. Uh, UCF obviously had those really big seasons of going undefeated. Their claimed national championship that I actually personally don't really have any issues with, uh, certainly uh, at that time of college football. You go undefeated, claim a national title. That's fine by me. But that was, what, 2017 uh, with Scott Frost. They then went to Josh Heupel, who's now at Tennessee, and now they have Gus Malzahn. So that's even you know three head coaches ago that they had that success. Uh, and obviously Malzahn's resume speaks for itself, uh, but he's uh, you know in a different situation there at UCF in Houston. Um, you know, again, their success was years ago. That was you know under Tom Herman, who then shoot he had his run there, then goes to Texas, then is out of football, now is at uh, Florida Atlantic back in the AAC. Uh, so their years removed from that. Um, and again, coaching changes since then. They, uh, I can't think off the top of my head who was there in between, but you know they're on their third head coach uh, since that success. So SMU is in a position where... Uh, you look at the success they're having this season, uh, what they did last year, they're building towards something. Uh, I think Lashley and if not all of the staff, at least most of the staff will still be here next year for that first year. Um, and that will obviously help in a big way that SMU is still trending upwards as they make this move. Uh, whereas I feel like those three teams were kind of coming down from those uh, elite seasons that they had at one point that the Big 12 really used uh, to make them new uh, teams in their conference. But I still think their uh, expectations should be tampered a little bit. And, um, you know, we'll see what this team can do, certainly. And uh, I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't bet against them, uh, but I wouldn't go in expecting to compete in the ACC at a really high level right away just because of the move. Uh, Going to talk a little bit more about this schedule, some other bits and pieces uh, when we return after this. Again, you're listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. 
Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffeditz, and we are talking about the release of the ACC football schedule for Monday and what that means for the Mustangs moving forward. Uh, Again, kind of broke down next year's schedule. I think 2025 and the 2026 seasons are going to be interesting. Right now, the only non-conference on the books for 2025 is what will be the final SMU-TCU game for at least a little while as the Frogs decided to put the series on pause after that and not renew. Um, So there are still three non-conference games to come up with there. Right now there is nothing scheduled for 2026. Uh, So after a 2024 season that already had Vanderbilt and TCU on the schedule that adds then in BYU along with this ACC schedule, Uh, which will have to go down as one of the hardest schedules this team has faced post-Southwest Conference. Uh, They'll have a chance to tweak some things for 25 and 26, but then you look at 27. Uh, 27 is when you have the home game against Oklahoma. It is also when the trip to BYU will happen. Uh, So you look at that, and they've got two really tough non-conference games there 28 is when uh, SMU goes back to Vanderbilt Uh, 29 is when Vanderbilt makes the trip to Dallas and then in 30 and 31 uh, are the is the Colorado home and home Um, that 2027 season your home schedule as of now is Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Stanford, Virginia Tech. Now, I know Georgia Tech, um, you know, hasn't been uh, too good lately, uh, but A, that's a few years from now. Who knows what might happen? Uh, And it's fun because that is certainly a a historically successful team and program uh, in the college football world. Uh, Same thing, Virginia Tech, uh, hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire, but they have history of success. I mean, that is a fun, fun home football schedule. Um, you know, 29, you get Vandy, Clemson, Georgia Tech, NC State, Stanford. Um, you know, I mean, this is fun. This is what you want. This is what... Uh, really upset a lot of fans with what the schedule looked like this season and possibly moving forward uh, if this team had to stay in the American um, with the teams that left and the teams that were chosen to replace them. Um, A lot was made about this year's home schedule uh, really not being very good. Well, hey, uh, that is not going to be the case really from here on out. Uh, You are uh, always going to have Cal or Stanford in town and then most seasons another elite program I think 26 is maybe the only year you could say maybe not uh, that is your uh, Boston College Cal Virginia and Wake Forest but again uh, Virginia and Wake Forest have had their seasons so 
a couple years from now. We'll just have to see what that looks like. But man, a lot of fun. And then to just talk about the away schedule, I mean, to talk about, um, you know, road games at Duke, at Louisville, at Stanford, at Virginia. I mean, those are those aren't bad places to go uh, when you look at it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, the the schedule lays out as far as um, dates and everything. Um, but I think it's exciting. I think it's again uh, sound like a broken record, but this is this is what was asked for. This is what was hoped for. Um, and you kind of can start looking at things and say, hey, you know, next year we return X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, it'll be year two of Preston Stone. How much of a jump uh, can he take from year one to year two? We're already seeing what he's doing uh, as this season rolls on. Um, who else, who decides to come back? There's a, a group of players that have uh, that extra year from the 2020 COVID season that they could, uh, use that I know, um, you know, are some key guys in that group that if they can convince them to come back for that final season to play a season of ACC football, uh, with SMU, what the transfer portal will look like. I mean, look at what this, uh, staff has done in the transfer portal the last two years, and then you add the ACC to it. Um, I think there's a chance for them to bring in uh, some high quality, immediate impact transfers. Uh, you know, you look at the transfers they brought in this past off season. They've got a handful of guys that they've held out to redshirt this season. I think of uh, uh, Caleb Johnson from offensive tackle from Notre Dame, who uh, they seem to be holding on to a redshirt for. Uh, the plan to redshirt Ja'Kai Clark, uh, who obviously is a top talent offensive lineman. Um, you'll have P.J. Williams with a year of experience under his belt. Um, you know, in the secondary, Keyshawn Mills uh, that they got. Also, uh, Chambers and just some other guys there. You'll have another year in the development of... Jalen Davis Robinson, another year of development from uh, that linebacker group that is going to be uh, good again that gets some help from a couple true freshmen in that 2024 class who are going to come in and have a chance, uh, just like these guys did, to come in and have an instant impact. Um, you know, all, all over the place. Uh, and I think you might see a little more willingness uh, to get some one-and-done type of transfers. There haven't been a ton of that the last two years. Uh, it's been a guys that at least have two years, if not more, uh, but to maybe bridge that gap. I don't know how much more uh, movement you'll really see in the 2024 high school recruiting class. Uh, I think the timing of the announcement was tough. I think a lot of guys that... They might have gotten as an ACC team uh, already committed elsewhere. Um, obviously, there's always the opportunity to flip some guys. That's what they did with uh, DeSoto linebacker Brandon Booker. Um, they've had some other uh, flip candidates uh, to games uh, on official visits and things like that. Uh, so I don't know how much movement there will be there. I think they 
also don't want to handcuff themselves with roster spots uh, as far as getting guys to use that extra year of eligibility and then what they can go out in the transfer portal and do. And then that just helps you bridge the gap. I mean, look at the 2025 class that has four composite four stars committed already. Uh, some others who are either silently committed and waiting to announce or uh, have SMU uh, right at the top of their list. Others that have SMU in their top 12, top 10, top 8. Um, and I expect that to continue as this team has success and adding in being an ACC program. Um, but again, those guys aren't coming until 2025, and even in 2025, they'll be true freshmen. So you've got to find some players to uh, to bridge that gap uh, a little bit for you for the 2024, 2025, and maybe 2026 season. I think this staff can do that. I think this staff can develop the players they have. Um, I think they have always looked to recruit higher quality players recruit above the AAC level. Um, now that's tough when you are in the AAC and you don't have the quote unquote prestige of being in a power conference. Well, now they are now some of those return calls get returned. Uh, some of those visits happen and things like that. Um, all of you know, the coaches and the players are saying the right things. Uh, you know, Coach Lashley talked about, you know, Mondays when they do their uh, kind of walkthrough before they get into practice for Tuesday and Wednesday. So they were doing their walkthrough when uh, the schedule was released on Monday. Um, you know, Scott Simons uh, quickly brushed it off it and uh, talked a little bit more about the Rice matchup coming up. Um you know, Lashley, again, kind of talked about when it comes to schedules, what they're worried about is Rice, North Texas, Memphis, Navy, uh, and then a couple to be determined, hopefully. So they're going to say the right things. They're focused on this season as they should be there in the middle of it. Uh, we get to get a little more into it um, and talk a little bit more about it. Um And we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think there's a lot of excitement. Again, you just get that boost from being a power team. You get the boost in recruiting, uh, which you kind of were already starting to see a little bit. But man, uh, you know, that makes a huge difference. Whether you like it or not, kids care about things like that. Kids care about uh, playing in a power conference. Kids. Um, Kids want to say they were a power five or four, or whatever it's going to be uh, here in the next few years, uh, football player. And now SMU is in that position uh, and really has a chance to really feed off that, um, feed off a season like the one they're having right now, um, where if they just keep winning, uh, they will end up being ranked. They will end up being a conference champion for the first time since 1984 uh, and hopefully get uh, a quality bowl matchup 
to send them into the 2024 season. Um, but I think for now we can just be, be happy with what things look like. Um, I like that early on there's some kind of home and home stuff, uh, you know, Boston college and, uh, Louisville, um, you know, those first couple years, uh, Boston college, Louisville, obviously Stanford and Cal, um, are all on the schedule three times, uh, in the first three seasons. Um, you play Virginia and Wake Forest each three times in the first, uh, four seasons. Um, you know, actually you play Louisville in each of the first four seasons. Um, so, and then you get kind of later on, obviously they go to Duke in the first year, uh, don't see Duke again until the, the last of the seven years that have been released, uh, when they host Duke, obviously aren't playing North Carolina until 2028, aren't playing Georgia Tech until 27, um, but those things happen with this kind of schedule and, uh, you're not going to play everybody every year. Um, they've got those protected matchups for some, some of the bigger rivalries inside the conference that I think should be protected. I think, uh, we've seen too much how realignment can mess with rivalries. Uh, a lot of that is because there are teams moving conferences you certainly shouldn't lose rivalries uh, for teams that are remaining in the same conference. Um, so it's exciting. Things are going to look a lot different uh, five, six, seven months from now um, as things really shift into looking at that 2024 season. But uh, there's a lot of excitement on the hilltop right now, and there should be. This is fun. This is cool. This is great to be a part of. These are going to be some grueling schedules. Some grit is going to be tested. Um, some development is going to be tested. Uh, endurance is going to be tested. Uh, but this is this is what everyone was asking for, and we've got it, and uh, and it should be pretty fun. So uh, hopefully everything goes the way everyone hopes. The end of this season. Um, obviously, I have a big test at Rice on Saturday. Um, and then we'll see. We'll see where this team ends up this season. Uh, but for next season, we know they will be in the ACC. We know who, uh, what 12 teams they will be playing and where they will be playing those games. Uh, just got to get some dates for them. And, uh, and then we'll roll. But uh, it, it's, it's just great stuff. It's just great stuff uh, to be mentioned with those teams, those programs, those schools. Uh, to have them come to Dallas to go play them at their places. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys are looking forward to it. Uh, and whether or not they will admit it in the middle of a season, I know this coaching staff and the players who will be back in SMU jerseys next season are excited about this. Uh, so until next time, uh, Pony Up, uh, thank you for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts uh, and so you can be alerted when a new podcast drops since that continues to be a little bit sporadic 
at the moment. Uh, thank you for listening. Ponystampede.com has all the information you need uh, as everything gets updated, brings you uh, exclusive interviews, uh, in-depth stories, uh, player uh, profile breakdowns, and the like. So make sure you are subscribed to Pony Stampede uh, and are a VIP across the 24-7 Sports Network. Until next time, thank you. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.